Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to episode 71 of the Boomer Bebo podcast. The only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, University of Texas, and the University of Oklahoma. Kevin, your your game against Baylor made y'all look like the number three team in the country. You beat down the Baylor Bears in the first eight plays, you had three sacks, I think two tackles for loss. It was demoralizing for an Oklahoma fan that had picked Baylor to cover. Baylor looks inept. They look terrible. Dave Aranda should be fired. I would venture to say that it's Baylor who looks so bad versus y'all that looks so good. What are your initial thoughts on that game? Well, first of all, it was a great performance, especially by the defense. Not by Baylor. Baylor. Not by Baylor. No, not Baylor by Baylor. Had a no, terrible performance. Especially on offense, man. They the quarterback isn't good. They couldn't protect. The offensive line got completely dominated by our defensive line. The receivers were dropping passes. Just a nightmare performance from them offensively. But hey, I'm excited about what Texas did and what Texas can be. We're still getting better, man. Y'all looked like the team you were supposed to look like for the Oklahoma Sooners against Cincinnati defensively. And it feels so good to say this. Another gem of a defensive performance. Danny Stutzman looks like the All-American. I predicted him to be in the preseason. I love what I'm seeing from the defense. We held Emory Jones in check. Offensively, Kevin, we can't run the ball, bro. We cannot run the ball effectively. And it is concerning, and it is going to impact us as Big 12 play proceeds. Yeah, I agree. First of all, the defense, really, really good performance, right? I didn't see anybody really out of position at all. The coverage was good down the field. You stopped the run. Emory Jones was not good. Um, and I'm going to give you guys some credit for that, you know, for for making him look bad. But, man, he missed some reads. He missed some throws. He just never looked comfortable. You guys were starting to get good pressure on him. The coverage was confusing him. I don't think – he expected you guys to be as fast as you were because he looked like he never got into any sort of rhythm throwing the football. He really didn't, and he didn't really get in a rhythm running the ball either. Um, Cincinnati didn't run the ball very well, and we were we were told that they had a really good running game, uh, but it was never really a concern. I think they made a ha- might have had one decent run, but not really a big deal in terms of that. Pressure in the, in the uh, red zone really locked down. Cincinnati, they just weren't able to move the ball. But this apparently this is what happened to him against Miami of Ohio. So it's for Oklahoma fan, it's hard to know how good a win this is. I mean, defensively, we know that it's a good win, but we just don't know how good Cincinnati is. It's another team like SMU and like Tulsa. We just don't know how good they are. Um, yeah. But for you guys, we know Baylor's not any good, but you beat them down. And that has to make you feel pretty good. Yeah, it, it does, right? We talked about Texas playing up and down to their level of competition, right? We saw that against Rice. We saw it against Wyoming. So it was nice to see them focused, playing a conference opponent that you know you're better than. Just go up there and beat the crap out of these dudes. And that's exactly what they did. I really like how it makes us look going forward. I'm excited. Other games um, that went on, Ohio State and Notre Dame, what a slugfest. I don't know if it's those offenses aren't very good or if that was just a defensive masterpiece. Either way, that was big boy football hitting each other. 
But what do you think about the final two plays of the game? Well, you know, it's hard to stop an Ohio State offense when they're that close to the goal line, right? But it's even harder to stop them when you only have 10 players. 10 players? I was waiting. Defensively. What is happening, dude? And Kevin. twice. It's not like it just happened. One, it was two plays. Dude, they had a what timeout. Was out of a timeout, Kevin. Out of a timeout. Out of a timeout. Listen, I don't know. Uh, who's our boy? Marcus Freeman? Marcus I don't Freeman. know who is responsible for substitutions on the defensive side of the ball, but you've got to fire him. It's a fireable offense. You have to hold people accountable. You have 10 players. Again, in the biggest two plays of your career, of your season, and you only have 10 players on the field, you got to fire the guy. I don't think that's a hot take. I think you have we're to talking fire about, We're talking about a potentially program-defining moment for Marcus Freeman, right? Remember, he played football at Ohio State. So to be able to get the win over his team for Notre Dame, I mean, this would have sent their recruiting it's it's out of this world. It's unreal, man. I, I, I can't believe that happened. And then on top of that, whoever runs your defense, if it is Marcus Freeman, third and 19, are you freaking kidding me? Stop him on third and 19. Yeah, with Stop a very him. inexperienced Kyle McCord playing quarterback, too. Stop him. It just it was it was unbelievable. But as far as the hitting goes, it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun to watch. I, I don't know, though. It's, 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 it's a very odd season. We're going to talk about the rest of those games. But first, Kevin, in a follow-up to the color analyst of the football team, Teddy Lehman being on last week, we have another guest. And it is she's going to be on to talk about the first athletic matchup of the year between Oklahoma and Texas, and that was in women's volleyball this weekend. How do you feel about okay. that? I All feel right, great about play. it, given the result. We're gonna, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, hold on. Kelly Files is on as our guest. She is a former D one soccer player, uh, D one volleyball player at Southern Miss, former OU assistant volleyball coach and associate head coach for over thirteen years. The current ESPN Plus analyst for the Oklahoma Sooners. How you doing, Kelly? I'm great. How are you guys? You look fantastic. It's like you were. It was like you were ready for video. This is just yes. amazing. This is, <laughs> Thank yeah. you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Kelly, uh, we are the Boomer Bebo podcast, as you well know, and yes. we love all things OU Texas, uh, except when it results in Texas beating down Oklahoma over two days in volleyball. What the heck happened this weekend? Well, Friday night honestly was a great match. Did you guys see it? Did you yes, guys watch? I did. It was, it, I mean, it had everything back and forth. First set, third set. I mean, it was dramatic. Sooners played really, really well. Um, I was really proud of them going against a, a ranked team, their first home opener. Well, against in the Big 12. They played UCLA the following weekend and they played, they played really well. They split with UCLA. Um, Longhorns came up big on that first set, 28 26. So we played to 25 points, if you don't know. So it went into extra points. You have to win by two. Um, so Texas came up huge and they kind of dominated in that second set. And then in the third set, again, dramatic finish, the Longhorns going, winning in extra points, 30, 28. And honestly, looking back on it, it didn't even feel like a, a sweep. It didn't feel like a three set victory for the Longhorns because the Sooners played so well Friday night. Yeah, but we're the University of Oklahoma, Kelly, and I don't know that we ever define playing well in a loss. However, I, I do understand what you're saying because compared to day two, yeah, it, it wasn't the exact same situation, was it? 
No, it wasn't. Uh, so Saturday, yesterday evening, start of the start of the match, back and forth, back and forth, just like Friday night. But the Longhorns, 25-22 in that first set. And then the wheels came, kind of came spinning off the, the schooner, if you will, four sets, two and three. And the, the Sooners, they just, I think they just errors after error in that second set. And then the third set, the coach made some changes for the lineup and it just, it didn't, it didn't really get any better, unfortunately. So what do you think about this as far as the close games on Friday night? I was able to watch him and it was back and forth. Do you think that can give OU some momentum going forward this season? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I really think that, you know, when they're looking back and they're watching video, they've got to be really proud of themselves. They made some critical errors, like missed serves and in key moments. And I think, you know, and that's just something on their end that they can fix. Um, but I think it gives them a lot of hope. I mean, honestly, the Longhorns are a great team, as you know. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's gonna be great for the Sooners going forward. In the in the match on Saturday, um, you talked about the errors. The errors were eight to eight to twenty-four in Texas's favor, and the hitting percentage was three thirty-eight to ninety in yeah. Texas's favor. What does Oklahoma how do they address that as Big Twelve season progresses and what's the outlook for the Sooners in the Big Twelve? I mean, I think it's – listen, the Sooners have, have the personnel. They've got the big hitters. They've got Alexis Shelton, who led the team in kills uh, both nights. And then – but they also have Taylor Preston. Both of them are their outside hitters. They've got a new middle transfer from Liberty and Lydia Burtz. They've got the offensive power, I think, and, and they have an, a phenomenal setter. I mean, I talked to both coaches this going into the weekend, and they were both praising the setter for Oklahoma. She's, she's phenomenal. So they have the right pieces. I'm not really exactly sure what happened in that second set, just some miscommunication, some just mental errors, and it, then it just became contagious. So going forward for, in the Big 12, I think they're going to do some damage, and I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. You know, from a Texas standpoint, coming off a national championship season, do you think they have the the talent to repeat? I know they lost some great players off last year's team. Yeah, I mean, isn't that I, – I feel like that as a coach, so Jared Elliott, um, you know, winning the national championship and then the expectation, right, uh, to win it again for sure. And I think this preseason, they had a tough preseason, but they had three losses starting into Big 12. They lost their first match to Long Beach State. Then – the, they lost to number two, Stanford, and then they lost to number 11, Washington State. So not really bad losses, if you will, the all-ranked ranked opponents except for Long Beach State. Um, they have a freshman setter in Ellis Wendell, who is phenomenal, honestly, but she's a true freshman. And so at times she's just making freshman errors, communication errors. Um, do they have what it takes? I think they do. They've got the right personnel. Their defense is phenomenal in Asia O'Neill. She is leading the nation. Well, she's number two in the nation in total blocks. She's leading the Big 12 in blocks. And they did not disappoint on the defensive side. And I think last year watching their team, that was the huge difference in how they won the national championship was their defense. They've always had the offensive power, but the defense is what really turned it on for them last year. And, and, and uh, their libero this year, Emma Halter, she's phenomenal as well. So defensively, 
I think they've got what it takes. And Jared Elliott says, Hey, we just got to keep improving week to week. And he's not, he's not concerned. Um, Kelly, we're going to transition into the sec next year. Oklahoma and Texas football are fired up to get out of this crappy conference and go to the sec. What does volleyball think about this situation, specifically OU? Is this a step up in competition? Has the Big 12 always been a powerhouse in volleyball? Like, what does it mean for the for both programs to go to the SEC? Well, the SEC is is great, and I think in, in almost a lot of sports, right? In volleyball um, as well. Right now, this week, well, new new rankings will come out tomorrow. But this, if you look at last week, SEC has five ranked teams. Big 12 has six this week. So um, I think the realignment for the Big 12 as far as volleyball for this year is really strong. It made the it made the conference stronger. You're adding in BYU. You're adding in Houston. Central Florida is receiving votes this week. So it's a strong conference. It always has been a strong conference. I think it just got stronger. SEC, I think, is going to get stronger now that Oklahoma and Texas are joining. See, Kevin, that's the attitude we need to have when we play football, is that the SEC is getting better with us. <laughs> Not that we're entering the SEC. We need to take oh, that. Oh, no, I think, I think it is, yeah. yeah we're, we're making this thing better. Yeah. All right, uh, Kelly, got a new, we have a new coach. Yeah. And um, I know you said that our personnel is in a pretty good spot. But when I saw Texas, um, I don't know, those girls look pretty good. Um, what, what do we need to do to improve going into the SEC? What's our new coach going to do? And I'm just curious, does the transfer portal impact volleyball like it uh, does football? Oh, 100%. I mean, the transfer portal is just – a whole nother ball game. And I think in any sports and just like in football, it, it's affecting volleyball as well. Um, and that's how they got their middle uh, Lydia Burtz and Liberty from Liberty. Um, she, she was doing crazy things in that conference at Liberty. And then she's coming here and she's hang, she's holding her own. She will, she'll be a great player. Um, you know, when you, as a head coach and you're taking on a program, it's just going to take some time. They've got new uh, offensive systems, defensive systems. So it just takes time to kind of build your system. And, 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 and head coach Aaron Mansfield has, has stated it. And they've been progressively working their systems into it. And so I think the Sooners will only continue to improve um, as the season goes on. I mean, listen, you have to bring your game uh, day in and day out in this conference, like I mentioned earlier. So um, I, I think they're going to be fine. I think it's going to take some time um, as a new coach, kind of building your program where you look at Jarrett Elliott and he's been there for so long and, uh, you know, was just inducted into the USA Volleyball Hall of Fame uh, this past spring. So, I mean, he's a seasoned coach at that institution, right? And so um, I, I think Aaron Mansfield's going to do a, a, a phenomenal job and I'm excited to, uh, you know, be a small part of it. Uh, Kelly, thanks for jumping on. We do have one more question for you. Um, okay. Brandon, your husband probably knows this. You might not know this. Kevin and I are big lawn guys, right? We love a freshly cut lawn that just, you know, really shows that the person paid attention to it, takes care of it, has an eye for detail. I've noticed uh, your lawn in North Belmar has repeatedly won yard of the month, sometimes yard <laughs> of the year. It is a fantastic lawn. Now, your husband doesn't take care of this lawn. This is a Kelly Files product. What do you specifically do to achieve the perfection that your lawn has attained this year? You know, just it's that attention to detail, you know, and just getting out there and doing the work. I love uh, it. I love you know, 
And, and doing it weekly. You can't let it go. No. So after this call, guess what I'm doing? I love it, dude. Kelly, that gets Amen. me fired up. Let's do it. Ke- look, Kevin, dude, I'm, dude, you got you to. We need to see some pictures or something on Twitter because this yard is fantastic. Kelly, you were awesome. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully, OU has a couple more wins coming. Oh, up, they will. You know? No this doubt. Is, but this is great, dude. We really appreciate you. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoying the lawn. All right, appreciate it, guys. Take care. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks. How about that, Kevin? That was Kelly great. Files, voice of the Sooners, two weeks Let's in go. a row. Let's go. Oh, dude, listen, dude. That gets me fired up. I'm fired up right now. All right. Um, let's see. Do we need to do anything here? No. All right. Kevin, listen, here's the problem. is Texas is really good at volleyball, and Oklahoma wants to be where y'all are at. That's the reality of it, right? And that's, yeah. that's hard for Oklahoma fan to take because in, in a lot of other sports, we compete at a very high level against you guys. But volleyball has been really tough lately. Your girls are really, really good. Yeah, Jared, he's been there forever, right? He built that program up, finally got the second natty this past year. So, yeah, I mean, he's established program. And what he's able to do, like she, like Kelly was saying, is also get great transfers. It's kind of, it's not quite to the level of OU softball. It's not that kind of domination, right? But everybody wants to go there. You have no problem getting recruits or transfers because it's no matter where you come from, it's a step up. Uh, I love it. All right. Hey, we broke down – we, we talked about the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. That is insane that they had 10 players. Big win for Ohio State. Um, I don't know that it changes their trajectory for the season because they still have to go play a really good Penn State team, a Michigan team, uh, and so on. Notre Dame, on the other hand, this puts them behind the eight ball in terms of the playoff, and it just – I won't say it was unnecessary to lose to an Ohio State game, but to only have 10 players on the field is pretty unnecessary. Yeah, that's, and this, that's is a a good, this is a good time a for them to be able to, 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 to steal this game, right? Ohio State, young quarterback. Obviously, they have incredible talent at, at wide receiver, experienced talent too. But with the young quarterback, that game being at home, it was all set up. And they were the better team. I thought they were the better team throughout the game. That was a great defensive effort and a great defensive game plan that they had. But when it just came down to it and those winning plays, they just didn't make them, and Ohio State did. I know. It's Real quick, before we move on, did you hear Ryan Day going after Lou Holtz in the post game? I thought that was (laughs) – okay, dude, I was going to talk about that. Because I was going to talk about that, and I was going to talk about Lanning going after Coach Prime. Like, both of these coaches, like, focus on your own team. You just won the game. Like, what yeah, exactly. are you doing? I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> Lou Holtz is already the 90? I, I don't know. Lou Holtz is a is an American football treasure, right? Yeah. He's not yeah. the dude you've got to go after. If he said something, whatever it was he said, he was the former head coach for Notre Dame. They won a national yeah, exactly. title with Lou Holtz. He can kind right. of say whatever he wants. Like, I thought it was pretty weak. Yeah, exactly. You already wouldn't prove this. So, like, hey, yeah, just say what he score- says. Just say scoreboard and walk off to, to call out exactly. that coach. That was uh, yeah, weird. a little surprise. And we're going to talk. Let's talk about Oregon and Colorado. Uh, it was a beatdown. Uh, it was an absolute um, assertion of dominance over the Colorado Buffaloes. They never had a chance in this game. Not and then, in a similar fashion to Ryan Day, Dan Lanning comes out after the game and says, They're trying for clicks. We're trying for wins. That's the difference in these two teams. I got to tell you, I'm not a, I don't want to be a Dion defender, but I don't think that's true. I think no, Dion's trying true. to. Yeah, I, you know, I don't mind him going saying what he said, but I don't think it's true. They're trying to win games. 
And Dion is an old school coach. He is. Like he is really that is a disciplined team. This guy showed up to Colorado and was like, hey, listen, guys, like we're, we're gonna be buttoned up. We're gonna do things the right way. Y'all all have to go to class. Everybody has to sit in the front of class. Y'all can't wear shorts and slides to class. Like that's how old school Deion Sanders is as a head coach. So no, he's trying to win, man. So again, great job by Oregon, right? We talked about the mismatch in the trenches, what it would be. It was even worse than we imagined. It was rough. Right. We knew that they couldn't, they had issues protecting Shadur already this season. And he's been hit more than any other quarterback in the country so far. And obviously it just went up a level. I think they had seven or eight sacks on him. I'm um, concerned, man, that he's going to get injured at some point because he can't keep taking hits like this. Uh, Mar- Mario Cristobal was the coach there for one season before landing. Is that right? Maybe two? I'm not sure. Maybe two, yeah, before he got the Miami job. It is clear he did some really good recruiting there. Yeah. And then Dan Landing has continued that because Oregon has an absolutely stacked team. Um, we've seen uh, we've seen almost all the Pac-12 teams play. You know I like Utah. That's probably who I'm rooting for. But what an ugly game against UCLA yesterday. They did win it. But it was ugly. Oregon he keeps is, finding is, ways to win like that. Is Oregon the best team out there, quarterback? Is Oregon man, the best? I team don't in the know. It, it's it's hard to say, man. I still like Washington too. Oh, that's right. I forgot about your boy. Yeah, no, yeah. and they look and they beat Dale. Who they play? Cal. The, yeah, Cal, and that offense, man. That offense looks unstoppable. We also had Oregon State and Washington uh, State in a good game out there. Washington State won. There was um, their quarterback Cam Ward. You know, he's a transfer from Incarnate Word in San Antonio. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, no, I didn't know that. That's a Yeah, crazy. he transferred from Incarnate Word to Washington State. He was there last year, too. And he was, I mean, he was incredible yesterday for them. So they beat Oregon State, who I think is good, too. So that Pac-12, wait, it's wait, hard wait, to wait, pick wait, who's going to win. Wait, 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 wait. Let's go back to this Incarnate Word discussion real quick, just as a, just yes. as a point of clarification. Are they D3 or NAIA? I mean, they're low, um, right? No, they, they've moved up. They have moved up. They're not Division One, though, right? Um, I think they might be. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that, that doesn't yeah, make they, the they jump. They moved up. That doesn't make the jump as incredible as I thought it was. Um, interesting part about this game, two interesting notes of this game. Oregon State scored 21 in the fourth quarter against Washington State's three. So they made a furious comeback to try to make this game close. And then number two, the Washington State coach, again, with these coaches calling people out. Why is he calling out Lee Corso on game day? Who cares? Did you see this? I did see that. That one was actually worse than that was actually worse than uh, Ryan Day calling out Lou Holes. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What do you care what Lee Corso says? He's like it, it, 95 it, years old. It's just these coaches, I mean, I, I guess they're trying to give their – maybe they're looking at Dion, right, and they're seeing how, how the motivation is working for a, a coach like him, and they're trying to yeah. create these perceived slights. But it's so – I just think it's unnecessary. Like, you just yeah. beat a good Oregon State team. Be happy about beating a good Oregon State team. Your, your quarterback was 28 of 34 for 400 yards and four touchdowns. How about you just talk about how good he was? Uh, dude, I agree. Um, and, but the thing about Dan Lanning, before we move on, sure. is that, you know, when he does that, he's trying to get clicks too, right? He's trying to get clicks. When he does that, having the cameras in the locker room, it's not like he has to do that. You don't have to give access to 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 ESPN, to your locker room, 
for your no, per game speech. He's trying to the, get clicks too. This is the pot calling Dion Black. That's what this is. Yes. You get that? Yes. That's a double on top. I do. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, real quick. Uh, all right. Let's just go down some other notable scores here. Florida State finally slays the dragon at Clemson. Even with a down Clemson team, it took them to overtime. Is this kind of an example of just it's really, really, really hard to knock the king off the mountain? That is exactly what it is. That is a big-time win for Florida State. I was really impressed because they were not playing well offensively, and they just kept fighting and kept fighting and eventually made some plays. And how about that play they made on defense? Safety comes, blitzes, hits Klubnik, knocks the ball out, recovers it, and runs it back for a touchdown. I mean, you want to talk about a big-time championship type of play. So, man – Florida State, if they, I wouldn't be horribly surprised if they were ranked number one. I mean, they'll probably still have Georgia there, but that's an impressive win. Clemson, despite them being not as good as we're used to seeing them, that is still a really tough place to go and win a football game. So for them to get that kind of monkey off their back, it was huge for them. Um, USC, I won't say they struggled against ASU, but they allowed ASU to put up twenty-eight. I don't know if Colorado is going to have Travis Hunter back next week but if they do Colorado can outscore USC I'm just I'm just saying that they can out they do not have the trenches the power the, le, uh, the level of town in the trenches that Oregon does it's and that's not what Colorado yeah, has to go up it against was next it week. was sloppy right they played like a team who knew they had that they were a 35 point favorite right that they were just going to go in there and beat Arizona State they um, were sloppy I mean weird turnovers just mid, bad Kevin, snaps Kevin put this bad exchanges Put this in perspective. Oklahoma State beat Arizona State. Yeah. I mean, what is happening? What USC play some defense, dude. Like it's it's insane. Um, another uh well, we know uh Bama beats Ole Miss. It didn't look pretty, but they did cover the spread 24-10. Ole Miss did not have the offensive power, offensive firepower I expected them to have. Bama looked like Bama defensively, offensively, still a little sketchy, but they won the game. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that Jalen Miro should be their starting quarterback and always should have been their starting quarterback. He did make that one really bad read down in the red zone when he threw that interception. But other than that, he was solid, man. He was solid. And that defense, though, they just completely shut down Ole Miss. Judkins wasn't a huge factor. Jackson Darley really got after him. I think they had five sacks. Dallas Turner finally showed up and reminded us the type of player that he could be. So it was good to see. Um, but a tough loss for Ole Miss because they thought that they could get Alabama this year. They really wanted to win this one, and they still couldn't. At this point, I don't know if Kiffin will ever beat Saban. Mm. If he can't beat him this year, I'm not sure he can because exactly. Jackson Dart's a whatever he is, four- or five-year player at quarterback. Judkins, good running back. You got all the talent in the world. I mean, you know, all, I say all the talent in the world. You're, you're a pretty talented roster. Yeah. Um, Alabama is clearly down. They just are. You can see it. The eye test shows it. But at the same time, Alabama's Alabama. And that's that. And we talked about it last week, right? Will this validate your win? I don't know that it validates your win. And again, I don't know that your win needed to be validated, but it just reinforces the fact it's really, really hard to win in Tuscaloosa. Like just um, staying in the staying in the SEC. And this game has a little bit to do with um, maybe some conference comparison. LSU squeaks by Arkansas, 34-31. I don't think anybody expected the game to be that close. I know Arkansas didn't win the game, 
but this was a BYU team that beat that beat Arkansas as well at at Arkansas. Is the SEC struggling this year, and is the Big Twelve a little bit better than we hoped? Well, I don't know about the Big Twelve, man. Neither do I. Yeah, no. I asked the question. I, I asked the question, and as I heard it come out of my mouth, I said. That's a really stupid question, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't feel good about the Big 12 at all, honestly. Besides, I mean, I think there's a gap between uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and then the rest of the teams, honestly. Uh, we'll see about Kansas, right? They they looked okay. But even their offense wasn't great against BYU. So, I don't know, man. They put up, thir- they put up 38. Yeah, but they have two look- defensive touchdowns. But look, I know, man. But look around the look around the country. All right, Michigan and Rutgers, thirty-one points. Florida State, yeah. thirty-one points. Ohio State, only seventeen. Iowa doesn't even score against Penn State. Like fourteen-seven, Utah, UCLA to put up thirty-eight points this week is an indicator that at least you can put the ball in the end zone versus some teams That's that can't even put the ball in the end zone. That is true, but I mean, I think Daniels had about one hundred and thirty-one yards passing. So they, uh, that, they won that game. No, that's his, correct. Yeah. Yeah. They won that game because they had those two defensive touchdowns, you know. And I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not saying Kansas sucks or anything, but, yeah, you easy. know, it easy. was a great performance offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two more games, uh, and, then we'll, and then we'll get into the Oklahoma-Texas uh, matchups. Uh, West Virginia downs Tech. What the heck is happening to Texas? Man, Tech? listen. What is yeah, going on? That is, you want to talk about a bad loss. The Wyoming loss was bad. I think this one's worse, right? Because you can say, okay, well, we went to Wyoming. We didn't realize that they were any good, the elevation. But there's no excuse for going to Morgantown and losing to West Virginia, to Neil Brown, a coach who seems to live on the hot seat, right? I, I thought Neil Brown would have been fired two years ago from West Virginia. And to go up there and lose, I mean, come on, man. Dude. Everything runs through Lubbock, though, right? Uh, did you see my tweet? I did. Yeah, yeah, I thought yes. it was pretty good. I mean, it I'm was. not going to give it away. Check it out on Twitter. It's a great tweet, I think. Um, and then finally, dude, we should have bet the over. <laughs> we should have bet the over. Oh, I Iowa State, 34-27. Those teams are terrible. I watched a, a, quite a bit of that game. That's bad football. That was a bad – that looked like – it looked like a Mac game, you know, like a, a Mac game between not very good teams, you know, that play on like a Tuesday. I mean, it was just bad. Yeah. I, I don't even know what is happening with those two programs. Those are programs that with Mike Gundy and, uh, oh, his name, uh, Campbell, Matt Campbell, Mike Gundy and Matt Campbell, the names of those two coaches, they have been routinely put up for bigger jobs, bigger opportunities. They're, yeah. they're roundly touted as having, you know, good, solid programs that, that, you know, always give those programs are in bad shape right now. Yeah, we're bad a couple shape. years we're a couple years removed from Mike Gundy being offered the job at Tennessee and Matt Campbell being offered the job at Michigan. Yes, think about that. Yes, wow. And it's possible that both programs would be in better shape if their coaches would have left. I don't know. Hunter Iowa State has excuses, right? Hunter Decker's. Losing him in the summer to what you know, whatever, and a couple other players. I, I guess you can get behind that. Oklahoma State, though, they have no excuses. You're they lost Mike Gundy, lost Spencer Sanders as the quarterback. Yeah, correct. The, I, I think he was just done. He was done with Spencer Sanders, right? And and why? Like, what are you doing? Like, how better? Yeah, he's always listen, dude. He's always had problems with relationships with his players. It goes back to wearing the news TV shirt and all this different stuff. He just is kind of an odd duck, and I think 
you talk about him being done with Spencer Sanders. I think it's just as likely that Spencer Sanders was done with Mike Gundy. Yeah, Mike. correct. It was a relationship that needed to end. Um, that takes us to our picks, Kevin. Whew, you had a winning record, dude. You did pretty good. Three, one, and one. I had the Notre Dame game as a push, right? Because I had us at three points. Was I think so? Yeah. Okay. When we picked mm-hmm. it, it was th- when we picked it. It was three points. I don't know what it ended up yeah. being. And yeah, it's whatever it was. Whatever it was when we picked it. When we picked it, uh, so I had it as a as a push. Uh, we both lost the Colorado game. Um, looking back on it, I think we both got caught up in the hype. Um, I don't think either of us picked Colorado to win, but we no, well, I don't think they would get beat down like that. Dude, it wasn't even close. Obviously, no. and then um, you had Bama winning and covering. You had Texas winning and covering. You had Oklahoma not covering. So you went three one and one. You were back at eleven eight and one. I went oh four and one. However, if you're betting with the Boomer Bevo podcast and you've been doing it all year, you're still in the money. I'm at ten nine and one for the season. So there we go. It's gonna take uh, it's gonna take a little bit better performance to stay there. Um, before we talk about the games, let's give our title sponsor a shout out, Brown O'Haver. If you've had a losing week like I did. Uh, call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. They work for the insured, not the insurance company. Um, if you've had a loss to your business or your home from wind, fire, theft, tornado, vandalism, whatever the case may be. And this doesn't have to be a loss that you've had in the last week. It could be one you've had six months ago, a year ago. Give us a call, 405-735-5510. Let us take a look at your insurance loss and see if we can get you more money. The odds are we can we typically get our clients 30 to 40% more than we get on our own. So give us a call, 405-735-5510. Kevin, you want to start with Oklahoma or you want to start with Texas? You know, we'll start with Oklahoma. We'll go in order of the way the games went. Uh, we gave a little preview of this before Kelly jumped on. Defensively, we were just fantastic. Um, it was nice to have Dayson McCullough back. I think he makes a difference. Um it, and I don't know that it was noticeable that Harrington was out, but it definitely impacts just having that competitive depth that I think we're going to need. Uh, but I liked having Dayson McCullough back. Hopefully, Jaron Canick is back. Um, did you see the uproar on Twitter from Cincinnati making fun of him dropping down to the ground? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The timing of it did look interesting, right? Because because they were running some tempo, and the fact that it was after a play, and it was – so far after the play, the new, the next play was about to start when he went down. I I, I got to tell you, I do not think we should be that hard on Cincinnati Twitter. I mean, their guys were dropping like flies, and especially yeah. the first half. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. Um, and it was just typical stuff. And but you know, you're gonna make so a joke about the injury with him. Well, I don't know, dude. I guess he fell down, had a hard time catching his breath, and was spitting up blood. Which I don't know doesn't sound. Oh, very good. okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that because. It was the crowd was booing because of the timing of when he went. Absolutely, down. yes, right. It looked like, and we see this all the time in college football, right? Teams run a tempo, run a tempo. Guy goes down, grabs his leg, just to slow things down. So that's why they think that. But you never know, right? Oh, kid had a legitimate injury. Yeah, look, dude, they put him in. A, they put him in an ambulance. So if he was faking it, it's like the best long fake yeah. ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, uh, really the, trying to show the, that. Yeah, have the ambulance hurt. queued up. We're really going to show these Cincinnati fans. You know, I don't know if all that's true, but hopefully he's back. He played a very, very good game up to that point. Uh, Kip Lewis got in uh, as his backup, and Kip Lewis, I tell you what, man, he doesn't have the size of Canick, 
but he brings some energy and some speed. I just love what we're doing defensively. Uh, we held uh, we held Emory Jones to 235 yards passing. Got two interceptions off of him. He only ran for 42 yards. Their rush, their team rushing was one only 141 yards, which we talked about. But my God, offensively, we have got to run the ball, dude. We have to run the ball. Yeah, I mean the passing game was good, right? Gabriel, it was fine. It was fine. 322 yards. It was fine. It okay, wasn't so good. not good. You won't say it's good. It was fine. It was passable. It won us the game. You cannot miss wide open receivers, especially kill shots. You have Jaleel Farouk running wide open down the middle. You have to hit that shot. Like, yeah. I, listen, dude, he's a sixth-year senior. He's the starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. I'm not saying to be benched. I'm not saying any of that stuff. What I'm saying is if you want to be the team that you want to be at Oklahoma and you want to compete against teams like Texas, you've got to hit that shot. It's that yeah, simple. For sure. And, and then don't go down five plays later and fumble the ball in the middle of the field. Like yeah. that, that's, that's a bad look for our quarterback. I don't love it. His performance was fine. It was adequate. We won the game. It was not good. Sorry. Back to what you were going to say about the running game. Hey, no, this is hey, just get fired up, your dude. team. I'm sorry. Hey, no, no, no. You're, you're the OU guys. So you, you tell me. I'll tell, dude. I will. They got, tell but yeah, they got to get going with those running backs. That offense is at its best when you're running the inside zone. Safety start cheating up. Linebackers start cheating up. You, you hit the play action and you hit the deep shot. That's when that offense is at its best. If you can't run the ball, it's never going to be the dynamic offense that it can be. Kevin, so, what do you think is going on? Well, first of all, Teddy Lehman in our in in, in our uh, recap from last week talked about the introduction of the quarterback run game, which I do, which I like seeing. Like, and it and it opened, it relieved some of that pressure off the offensive line. That extra runner out in the field, just another dimension. I didn't think it was overdone. Eleven runs, twenty three yards, a touchdown, nothing crazy. But I think defenses now have to know that we're going to do it and we're willing to do it. But here's the stat on the running game: thirty four rushes for one hundred and three yards. Three yards per carry, and the long was only 19. It's not good enough. If you can't do that against Cincinnati, and I know Cincinnati has a good defensive line and Don Corleone and all this, whatever, dude, it's still Cincinnati. They lost to Miami, Ohio. Like, this is not a great team. You've got to run the ball against them. And I I know a lot of people are going to be on this with me. Is it, To me, it's a levy situation. It, it It's almost like the timing of how he calls the plays. Like he'll get in a rhythm and then go away from it and he'll get in a rhythm and then run a sweep or a, a, a reverse or something. And it's like, why are we going wide when we just need to go right out? We've got a little rhythm. Yeah, going. If it's working. Yeah. Just do it until they stop it. And Marcus major is fine. And I thought Marcus major was a fine, right? Same as DG. He had a fine game adequate to win the game. I still think Tolly Walker after four games gives us our best shot to be dynamic and to make plays in the running game. He only had – oh, man, I don't have his touches. He was 5 for 15. Five he only had five touches. Dude, that's not, yeah. It's not enough touches. It's not enough touches for whoever your backup is, okay? If your backup's Javante Barnes, if your backup's Sawchuck, if your backup's Walker, it's not enough touches for those guys. You, you've got to give that second guy a chance to kind of get into the game, okay? If we think Marcus Major gives us our best shot because he can receive out of the backfield and he can block and whatever, that's fine. If, if he's a guy, I'm willing to say fine, whatever. You've got to give your second guy more touches. As far as Barnes and Sawchuck not getting the ball, I don't care. I, if this is the decision they've made, then fine. That's the decision you've made. Then we need to be more productive on the running game with the dudes we have. And we're not there yet. Yeah. 
And do you think it's an offensive line thing? You think the holes just aren't there? Oh, uh, I think it's always really easy to blame the offensive line. Uh, sure. Okay. I still think it's kind of the play calling. In the middle of the second half, Joel Klatt talked about how we got away from a certain run package and kind of went back to a bread and butter run package. And that's when I saw a little more holes, both for Tawi and Marcus Major. So maybe it's a maybe it's the actual play calling and the play design that needs to be looked at. I still think it's the timing of the play calls. I just think that when we get into when we're trying to establish rhythm, let's establish a downhill rhythm. We don't need to go side by side. Let's establish the downhill rhythm. If we don't want to establish the downhill rhythm, that's fine. Then throw the ball. Because we're effective throwing the ball. Dylan Gabriel can throw the ball. Our guys are dynamic. Listen, dude. Andrew Anthony is our number one. He's our number one. We've asked all year, all summer, who was going to be our number one. It's Andrew yeah. Anthony. The guy yeah, is we- making really good plays, really competitive catches. He's really good. Seven catches for 117 yards. Yeah, and then you got Farouk, Stoops, and Anderson. Dude, those that's four. I am very happy with those four receivers. I still don't know where the hell our tight ends are, but that's fine. If they're not part of the offense, if that's the decision we've made, okay, whatever. Um, I, I would love to see the tight end a little bit more. I mean, I look at Texas, and I just get jealous all over when I see that he leads. He led y'all in receiving with, what, five for 110? It just makes me want to. I hate it. Well, he he's a special athlete, man. Like he, he's rare even for us. Yeah, but he, you but know what I mean. You, so, you still have to feed the tight end the ball, though. You got to. You know, last week he had no receptions. I still don't know how that happened. Ah, Sark's an idiot. But anyway, yeah. so anyway, that's what I, that's my thoughts on the OU game. Is defensively, I'm really really happy. Offensively, I'm I'm almost left with more questions than answers because it's like we've had three games now to sort some of this stuff out, and I feel like we haven't sorted it out. And it's just really, really. Let me ask you this: Do you feel better about twenty to six than you would about forty-two to twenty-eight? Um, that's a you know what, dude? That's a great question, Kevin. And I'm not, I'm not being funny. That is a great question. I feel like, I think I do feel better. Okay. Um, we've yet to play an offense where we feel like we have to shut them down. So it's it, you know. We're living on like 10 years of scar tissue from not having good defenses. So we're so used to as Oklahoma fans needing to outscore the opponent. And so to have a defense that can hold the opponent, even though um, it's hard to believe, hard to grasp. And I don't know that I'm there yet, but yes, I love, I mean, we, with the exception of Kansas for a couple of times, um, it it was since K-State in 2015 that we did not allow a Big 12 opponent to score a touchdown, right? So that's almost eight years. Yeah. Again, just hard to believe, hard to, hard to conceptualize having this kind of defense. Here's the problem with every OU fan, me in particular. I want both. I want the defense that holds us back, and I want us to go put 42 on Cincinnati. Uh, that's what I want to see. And um, is it unrealistic? Probably, but that's where we are mentally as an Oklahoma fan. We don't well, trust you know, that our defense is going to only hold them to six points every game. You're fanatic. That's what we are. So I'm psychotic. That's what we do. Oklahoma, uh, Texas played Baylor again at the beginning of the uh, episode. I talked about how y'all looked like the number four or five team in the country, whatever rankings you were looking at. Um, you had to feel really good about this win. 38 6. Look at the 38 6, right? That's what I wanted to see from Oklahoma. That's what y'all gave us. So why can't I want what y'all have? 
Hey, nothing wrong with that, man. Look, I was really impressed. I thought Ewers was really good, 18 of 23 for 293 yards and a touchdown. I think he had one throw that was interception-worthy, a little bit scary. But other than that, I thought he had a really good command of the offense. He was patient in the pocket. He made some really good throws. He had the rushing touchdown down the sideline. I think it was like 30 yards, something like that. So, no, it was just an impressive performance. I continue to be impressed by Jonathan Brooks, the running back. Yeah, 18 carries, 106 yards, and, and two touchdowns. And he had that big run. Was it the second quarter? Maybe the first yeah. quarter? Where uh, yeah, I mean, that quarter. was just a, a real dynamic run. Um, uh, it, it was good to see C.J. Baxter back, right? I mean, he was kind of hurt, kind of banged up, but he got some run a little bit. Yeah, he was able to get his first touchdown, first touchdown of his career, hopefully most uh, first of many. Six carries for 21 yards and a touchdown. So nice to get him back out there. I still don't think he's 100%, honestly. But um, it was nice to see him out there. Uh, receiving, we talked about Sanders with five for 110. A.D. Mitchell, three for 46. Uh, Xavier Worthy, three for 31. And a nice throw. Oh, he had a touchdown, too. And a nice throw down the sideline to Sanders on a, on a trick play. Um, Whittington maybe didn't give you the production you expected, but I don't know if you needed it against Baylor. It's hard to spread yeah, exactly. the ball around that much. Exactly. It was just a – I call it a professional performance, right? You're playing against a team that you know you're clearly superior to. And no messing around. Just went out there and handled business. They ran the ball effectively, set up the play-action game. They made some big plays in the passing game. The defense completely shut them down. We know how they struggled on offense leading into the game, right? So we shut down their running game. We got after the quarterback. We just handled business and got out of there with a really good win. So, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to seeing what this can become because I really like this team. Anthony Hill Jr., did he lead you all in, um, in tackles again? I believe he did. Let me pull that up. I've got the. I'm telling you, man, this kid's a player, dude, and I, I do not, I do not like him being a player. I do not like the fact that he's sitting up on that edge and getting. I, I wish that we were giving. Uh, we talked about this a lot last episode. I wish we were giving Adabari the run that Texas gives Anthony Hill. Yeah, you know, I, I did see PJ out there a lot yesterday for you guys. Though. Yeah, he was being held all over the field. We haven't even talked about penalties yet. Yeah, he was being held. Let's just, he was being, yeah. You want to talk about that? Real quick, now before we go on, yeah, Anthony Hill had six tackles. Um, but Jalen Ford, man, I think he's one of the best linebackers in the country. He had eight tackles, a tackle for loss, and then he had the interception. They were on the on the uh Baylor got down into the red zone, they had it there, I think fourth and goal. They throw it to the end zone, he intercepts it to end their drive and give us the ball back with a lot of momentum. So he continues to be one of the best linebackers in the country. He's good at everything, he can stop the run. He's really good in pass coverage. I think that's the sixth interception of his career. You know what feels really good is when you talk about Jalen Ford, and it's all it's all um, it's all do him right. He he's having a tremendous year, and he he really is playing great. Like you deserve to talk about him as much as you want. Is you can talk about him as much as you want, and I'm sitting back saying I would not trade him for our middle linebacker. I'll I'll keep Stutzman. That is an that's awesome fine. conversation. Like that's an yeah, awesome no, exactly. conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have your guy who's great, and I'll take my guy that's great. I, I know. Yeah, I, I, we'll live with it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Now, Sanders, on the other hand, that guy makes me, you know, jealous. But but defensively, I look at him and I go, yeah, no, he's really good. I'll I'll keep I'll I'll stick with Stutzman. Like I think I think Stutzman's just having that that same that same kind of year. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. interception returns for touchdowns, leading this team in in, in tackles. And then you look at Ford. I mean, but what years is Ford a junior? Oh, he's a senior. 
Oh, is he a senior? Stutzman's only mm-hmm. a junior, right? Yeah, he's a junior. He was his, he was a freshman in twenty one that year. Anyway, Anthony Hill Jr. Uh, looked fantastic. Um, jumping ahead, defensive line too, real quick, man. I, I got to talk about those guys: Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy. Dude just looks unblockable. Four tackles, three tackles for loss, and and two sacks from the defensive tackle position. So the, the defensive line, man, they just continue to impress me. And they've got the depth, too. They're bringing in guys. And I'm not seeing a drop-off from the first team to the second team. They've been playing third-team guys. So that's what excites me for the rest of the season. It's just the depth that they have there up front. What the hell is wrong with Dave Aranda right now and his offense and defense? They man, just look. Know. They look, I, look. All credit to Texas. You played, y'all did play great. You looked really good. But come on, dude. you got to admit, Baylor looked terrible. They they did, especially on offense. They did some good things on defense. They uh, they did get some pressure on Quinn. I think they got three sacks on him, which I thought was good. But yeah, overall, man, just not a good team this year. It's that offense that's I mean, is really concerning. I think their quarterbacks, the Sawyer Robertson kid, going into the game, he was completing forty five percent of his passes. I mean, what are we talking about here? And I know they play Utah, but in but outside of Utah, they play Texas State and Long Island University, which I've never even heard of yeah. before they played them. So what did he go for? 20 of 35 for 203 yards. He was sacked five times, also through one interception. They ended up going to the backup kid, RJ Martinez, nine of 18 for 102 yards. So even, yeah, even he's only at 50%. No, I, you know, I don't, dude. I don't even know. It's um, it's really weird. Miranda was the the bell of the ball in the Big Twelve, especially two years ago when they won um, when they won the Big Twelve championship. Yeah, but boy, he's fallen, and it is it is. Uh, if you're a Baylor fan, that uh, that confidence and the excitement that you had even a couple of years ago has quickly gone out the door. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Um, you get to host your, and we'll have a complete preview episode. But I do want to get your early week thoughts. Y'all get to host Texas's nemesis, Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, they are also 4-0. This is a 4-0, 4-0 matchup at DKR next week. You talked about it already. Jalen Daniels had an okay game, but he's still a pretty dynamic player. Going to be better than anything Baylor was rolling out at you. Uh, is this a game where you start to feel a little nervous at 4-0, or do you feel like we're going to just go ahead and take care of business and be ready for the Red River rivalry? Well, you know, it always concerns you when you play a quarterback like him, right? A guy that can throw and run. So, yeah, I'm a little concerned about it. I think, you know, on paper, but it's the games are played on the field. But on paper, I think Texas is a better team. I think they should handle their business against Kansas. I think they should have a good defensive game plan that can at least somewhat neutralize what they like to do. But, man, that kid, he's he's a gamer. And, the thing about Kansas is they're not afraid of anybody, right? They're not going to be worried about coming to Austin. It's not going to phase them at all. So I think we're going to get their best effort. If they get our best effort, I think we'll win the game, right? But we'll see what's, which version of Texas shows up. We've seen so far this season, right? It's, it's just up and down. I think uh, well, Oklahoma plays Iowa State. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff next weekend, which is nice to have a night game. Um I mean, this has to be a game that, to me, it's it's what what you saw, what what Texas experienced against Baylor is what I want to experience against Iowa State. It's not a very good team. They're terrible offensively. Our defense has been flying high. Let's continue that momentum. 
But offensively, we have to take advantage of an inferior opponent. We just have to take advantage of an inferior opponent. So this should be a game that Oklahoma just beats early, just exactly the game plan that you talked about this week with Baylor. Just beat them down early, move on, and let's get ready for Texas. Yeah, it's a big week. It's a big week, right? I'm hoping for a professional performance from Texas. And like you said, you should get the same from OU and try to get that running game going because you got to have that for the Texas game the following week. Uh, who does uh, let's get an update on Bijan Robinson in the NFL? Who does Bijan play this week? Um, I believe they play Detroit. They're on the road this week, and I expect him to be dynamic like he is every week. Uh, is is Detroit zero and two? Um, no, they beat Kansas City in Week One. Oh, that's right, that's right. But yeah, they lost they a beat bad Kansas game. City. They lost. A yeah, bad well, game. Seattle. Yeah. Seattle, to me, is very similar to Detroit. They almost look like the same team. It's very interesting watching them play against each other. Jared Goff and Geno Smith, a lot of similarities between the two of them. So, yeah, but Bijan, I expect him to have another big game. The Detroit defense is not great. He already has 180 yards rushing this season. He has 75 receiving yards on 10 receptions. So I think he'll have a heavy workload. Not too heavy, right? I don't think they want to wear him down. But, again, he's just going to be involved in the running game and in the passing game. He puts a lot of stress on the defense, so it should be Uh, a fun game to watch. Baker is on Monday night football against uh, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. I can't imagine a scenario where the Bucs beat them, but it's pretty exciting to get a primetime game between Jalen and Baker. Yeah, and that game is in Tampa, right? Um, Maybe. Is it? It is. Okay. So you never know. Going on the road for them, like no one. I think they're they're playing free. They're playing right. Nobody's expecting anything from them. So just go out there and and, and let it rip. Right? I think, what, do you, what do you have to lose? It is that tackle. Just confirm that. I think that for Baker Mayfield, it's every every additional year in the league is like house money, right? Like people just want to doubt him. They keep wanting to get after him. And so every game, every year is just house money. And he does get to play free. And I don't think – I think he's at the point in the career where he's like, I don't really – you know, I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I took the freaking Browns to the playoffs, you know. I've yeah, won in four play. different teams. I've won a Heisman Trophy. I don't have to prove myself. I've made plenty of money. And I just think the dude goes and plays, you know. And I think he's in a really good spot for as far as that goes. I just don't know that he has the talent to go – or, you know, the Tampa Bay has the talent to go up against Philadelphia right now. Yeah, I'm They're, concerned about the offensive line going against um, the Philadelphia defense. And Jalen Car- Carter, the rookie defensive lineman from Georgia, who sl- who fell a little bit in the draft, this dude looks completely unblockable so far this season, man. So he's a guy that can come in and just wreck your offensive game plan. So I'm how, excited to see what he does. I always think that's interesting how uh, programs or, or how NFL franchises – kind of lean in towards one program, although obviously it makes sense to lean into Georgia players, but they've got a lot of Georgia players on that team. They've got you, a lot. You remember back in the day, Baltimore always had a lot of Oklahoma players. Like they'd yeah. have Mark Clayton and uh, Kelly Gregg and um, oh, other offensive linemen and stuff. They would just always have a lot of Oklahoma players. Yeah, didn't players. they draft Dan Cody too in the first round? Yeah, they might have drafted Dan no. Cody. And, of course, they went with Mark Andrews and um, CD uh, – not CD, but uh, Ben Hollywood. Powers. Yeah, Hollywood Brown was on that team. I mean, just the they they kind of always gravitated to Oklahoma players. Does does Texas have an NFL franchise like that? that? You know, I don't know. You know, we had a couple guys on the Ravens too. I mean, obviously Tucker and and um, Devin Duvernay. 
is there. So, but I don't know if we've had anybody like that. There's you know five or six guys from from Texas on one NFL team. Our guys have been pretty spread out. How many Georgia guys do they have? The uh, Eagles. They've got a lot. They have a lot. Linebacker Jordan Davis. Um, They drafted Nolan Smith at at the edge. Uh, We talked about Jalen Carter. So, yeah, it's a lot of Georgia guys, man. But, hey, winners. The problem with Georgia this year is they do not look like the world beaters that they even looked like last year, right? They just, you know, they they allowed UAB to score 21 points, right? 49-21. They just don't look as scary, but I still don't want to have to play Georgia. Correct. You know, like, you know, yeah, you know, you're, you're right about that. It just seems like a year, and we talked about this, I think, at least the last two yeah. weeks. It just seems wide open, man. If you're a team that's not normally in the national championship discussion outside of the normal big four that you get, man, why can't you win the national championship this year? Why, you, why can't you go steal one? Right? You got to think Penn State is wondering that, right? We can get one. Texas, Oklahoma, you know. Teams that just typically aren't right there. Well, like, oh, I know Oklahoma's been in the playoff three times, right? But, you know, there was a little bit of a level in between Oklahoma and – has it been four times? Yeah, four times. Okay. Baker twice, so, Tyler and, and uh, Jalen. Yep, four times. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, with this year, there just doesn't seem to be that one dominant, scary Alabama team or Georgia team or Clemson team or Ohio State. No one's really like that this year, so – which makes the Red River rivalry on October 7th all the more important. I mean, this is like early 2000s because you're not looking at the SEC going, well, we're all playing for second place against Georgia or Bama. uh, Clemson's not as dominant as they once were. Maybe it's Ohio State still, but they still have to go through Michigan, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. just not convinced that there's, to your point, anybody out there, which takes us to early 2000s where this game has national playoff implications. Like the winner of this game – is in the driver's seat to win the Big 12 and make it to the playoff. The only problem is, in versus those years back in the day, is it's not an elimination game, okay? So we can play, and mm-hmm. guess what? We get to play again. And I, play think again. We, I think we will. I have not seen one Big 12 team that makes me go, mm, I don't want to play those guys. They, they're me terrible. Neither. I mean, me it's neither. Oklahoma yeah. and Texas. We're going to play on October 7th, and we're going to play again in December. And I think at this point, the winner of the, of the second game is going to the playoff. I just think it's going to happen. It seems to be setting up that way so far. So it seems to be setting up that way. Kevin, enjoy your day of NFL viewing. Um, Thanks again to Kelly Files and OU Volleyball. This was amazing to have her on the uh, episode. It was really, really fun. Kevin, have a great time watching Bijan. Boomer! Welcome.